Welcome back to another episode of The Junction. We have another first here on the show. We have an in-studio guest. I didn't know our studio was big enough to have more than two people in it. Oh, no. It works. Don't underestimate this studio. We've done some big things in here. We're going to get like four or five people in here next. I mean, Scott's trying to bust the wall out like another five feet. Oh, so nice. Just wait for there that. There we go. Yeah, we put it. season two, right? Get it in the budget. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I don't think we can automate that part. Yeah. But. All right, Chris. Chris Robbins from Lummis Technology. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. I know you go way back with Chase. Um, tell us a little bit how we got connected up. Give us your uh, background. Yeah. So my wife has been working with the Venn team for a long time and, uh, we were in the need of a Salesforce implementation at my company, uh, Lummis Technology. And so we decided that we were going to bid it out and Venn came in and they were a great partner with us and we're in our second implementation with them now. So it's a, been a great ride and we're going to keep going there. That's awesome. Um, I remember when I first met your wife and she would tell us what you were doing. And um, I know Bink will be listening to this, but I'm like, wow, uh, this guy is doing incredible stuff. Um, we really should talk to him. And it took a while for us to get in contact with one another. But now I'm so glad that we did because all the things that you're doing in your day-to-day -day job are things that we're talking about on the show. Um in from, real life. In real life, like yeah. We, we just kind of conceptualize a lot of the things, and we're like, wouldn't it be really cool if we went and did this totally. thing? Or are, are there people out there actually writing code using AI? Yeah. Well, Chris Chris is one of those guys that we, we're like, this, this is who you should emulate, right? If you want to do some of this AI stuff in your day-to-day -day job or you want to implement it in your business. So maybe, Chris, for the audience, give us like um. I don't know, an elevator pitch as to what it is around automation, AI, uh, Rupin, you know, some of the technologies that you're using. Like, what does that look like? What does your day-to-day -day look like from, I don't know, a 30,000-foot view? Yeah, so I'm in charge of the modernization effort at Lummis where we're taking 270 legacy applications and we're modernizing them into cloud platforms and making it better for our user experience internally. This is a lot of internal work. When doing that, I'm having to translate legacy code, make upgrades, and all those different type of work efforts. Well, we don't have, I'm a chemical engineer by background. My, I have an undergrad in chemical engineering, a master's in mechanical engineering, and I got into development because I wanted to do my job better. Mm. So I wanted to find a way to automate myself almost out of my current role and into something else. Yeah, And that's essentially what I've been able to do. I've been able to learn C-sharp in a weekend where I wrote an API in C-sharp with having no background in C-sharp that's now integrated into the Microsoft Power Platform and working with all of our Power Apps that we're working with right now. So it's a, an amazing, AI has just powered everything. GitHub Copilot is my best friend. Uh, I call it my intern because yeah. I just ask it with a comment, hey, how do I write this? And it pumps out the code, 80% correct, run a little checking, ask it, why is this the error? Yeah. <laughs> and just keep working with it. And I, that prompting of how I work with it just makes my life better, makes everything move faster. Is it kind of like that intern concept that we talked about before? It's 100% the intern concept. If I give it a really bad comment, yeah, it's not going to give me some pretty bad code. But if I give it a good comment and I explain what I'm trying to do, it'll get me over that line much faster. Um, there's talk of the 10x developer, and AI really is driving towards that 10x developer where a single developer can be that much more efficient. They don't have to try and remember because most developers don't. They don't remember the nuance of the code on right. how to do the every syntax, little thing. Right. Yeah. 
So this just takes that away where you don't have to overly worry about the syntax. You want to worry about how do I write the most efficient and the most getting to the point of the code first versus trying to remember syntax. Yeah. No one likes syntax. Yeah. How are you? I'm curious. We've had a guest on the show that said he uses, he asks it to justify, like he says, now justify why that's the answer. Yeah. So you pointed out the why is why is there an error here? Or you're kind of continually prompting it. Are you asking it anything specific like that? Like, and why is this right? I don't typically ask it that. I will have it give me an answer and then ask it, hey, can this be done in a more efficient manner? Is there a way we can do this a little bit better or that it'll take less compute time and things like that? So I work with it on trying to find the better way to do mm -hmm. things. You, we've talked about this a couple of times, I feel like, in, in our Zoom calls where, and you said this right before we hopped on the show, that everybody's worried that it's going to take your job, whatever your job might be. But you mentioned that it'll never take your job, or maybe not never, but you don't necessarily believe that. So tell me like what your thoughts are on that, on that front. It's going to take away the parts of my job I don't like to begin with, the mm. parts of the, the monotonous parts, the parts where I'm having to look something up and find the source. I'm going to be able to just ask, hey, what's the budget running on this current job? Yeah. And it'll be able to go grabbing that information, bring it back, and then it'll give me a link to, hey, here's the source material where I got this from. So if I don't trust it, I go look. If it's not, it doesn't pass that smell test, I yeah. can go look, and then I can ask it better questions if it's not there. So it's going to help everybody just be more efficient at what they're doing. Everybody has those mundane tasks. I mean, you guys going to automate here. So with with that automation idea, it's just another form of automation. Yeah. I see a lot of that um, in talk of like the agent piece, right? Like the chat GPT can be your agent. Well, the agent's going to specialize in one thing, coding or something else. And I think we said this in last episode, like you, you're going to need a human to to dictate and direct and move things around, even in your internship, right? Yeah. Like somebody's going to have to be there to be the expert because if you don't know how the code should be written or the direction that you're needing to go, you'll never get there because the agent will just start spewing stuff and you won't know if that's right or wrong. There has to be a human in the loop. I mean, it's a, all engineering programs and everything like that. There has to be a human in the loop that's there to give it that sanity check. Yeah, It can guide you down that path but it's never going to give you the perfect answer the first time. It might get lucky, but you're, you're going to want to make sure there's a human in the loop it, it under, you, that understands the problem that you're trying to solve and can help coach the agent yeah. to get, get down that path with you. It, it's an 80% thing. You're not going to, it's a co-pilot. It's not right. an autopilot. Mm. There's a, um, there's a webinar that we, we accept and that we're going to watch later today. It's, so Ava, I, I forget the name of it. The idea behind this platform, brand new, they're pre-money, haven't really done anything, but that they can write, they've written supposedly a sales bot agent that can do all of the sales things. You give it an ICP, you give it your product or your list of services, and it will supposedly go email them, find a list, write emails, email everybody, and then the chat functionality that we've all seen, right? You're like communicating with the agent. Hey, how'd you do this week? And the agent's like, I sent 12 emails and I got one response. Um, but they have a thought that they can automate that entire that entire portion of the sales cycle, right? Do you see that like individual, maybe smaller portions being fully automated? Or do you see like, well, of course, like you said, Chase, you'll have to chat with the chat bot, right? Yeah. 
So where I see that, yeah, it might be able to send those cold call emails that no one likes to send. Again, it can help you draft those emails. It can help you research for those emails. And But you still may want to put your personal touch on it, or you don't have to work with it to make it sound like you. Right. The big disconnect that I would see is when you finally get on the phone with me, we're not a ha- you're not going to have any of that relationship. I'm going to mm. have that relationship with the bot, bot. and you're either going to have to work with the bot to understand who I am right. to talk to me yeah. or the bot's going to have to be on the call too. And yeah. I mean, that's coming with the ability to yeah. just plug the bot right into being able to talk to you. But yeah. that's still not necessarily the relationship I would think is going to be built in the sales world, right. especially when you're talking about huge contracts and trust uh, that the company's going to do what they need to right. for you and things like that. Well, I can even just envision like you have a hundred Ava's, and like, sure, you can keep up with one, but if they're even mildly, even just a minuscule successful, and now you have a hundred people that are interested in your product, but you can't read a hundred set of emails to catch up with everybody. Like you're just going to lose continuity. Well, and how are you going to deliver on all that? Oh, so, totally. So great. You've gotten a hundred new leads that uh, may even be really hot leads, but you don't have the team to support that. Great. Your sales cycle now mm. got improved by that much, but do you have the AI to do the rest of everything else that you need <laughs> yeah, to deliver on? It's in progress, right? We're <laughs> going to write it as we sell it. Exactly. I think without the AI, I've always sort of had this like love hate with the cold email anyway, unless you've really kind of like, I mean, I think there's probably to an extent they can go scrape my LinkedIn profile and Ava can be like, Hey Mel, uh, saw you were a Colorado graduate, go buffs, yeah. you know, prime time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're sort of building a relationship with me over a couple of emails yeah. to Chris's point. I have always wondered now, how do you have that same context and right. how are we going to pick up from where Ava teed up? Right. Yeah. I'm going to get on the phone expecting, I'm going to probably look at your LinkedIn, see that you went to a and I'm going to razz you a little bit about that. Yeah. And then you're going to Maybe go with the flow, but where's my like primetime shout? So I don't know. I think that there is like, what is the, are they providing you some sort of like one pager snapshot summary of, I reached out to Mel three times. Here's what her pain points are based on the ICP that you gave me. And how is it giving you the level of context as the salesperson to seemingly pick up right where you left off. And even without the automation, I think that's where a lot of cold outreach falls flat because there's just not the continuity that, that the end or the person receiving it expects. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's like a bait and switch at an, at a different level, right? Like we built a relationship, but I'm going to have you talk with Mel and it's like, well, like now I'm at, no, I just get Ava on the line. Where's yeah. Ava? Where's Ava? I want to talk to Ava. I don't want to talk to you, Chase. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, hey man, switching gears. We, you mentioned power automate. When I picked it up, when it first came out, it felt rudimentary, a lot like Zapier, maybe a little bit different, but based on what I've looked at and what you've been telling me, it's a lot different now. So I'm curious, what are you doing in the platform or what are they doing that makes it so much better than, you know, three or four years ago? Yeah. So Microsoft has been investing heavily in all of the embedding of AI into these platforms too, because they're really trying to push down that whole low code barrier, get it into the hand of the user versus into the hand of the developer like me, which has benefits on both sides of the court. More for me to have to maintain on the back end (laughs) of when somebody makes an automation, then we have to make it go enterprise. Right. 
but it also makes it easier for everybody. So they have uh, an AI agent now built into Power Automate where you can talk to it and say, hey, when I get an email from my boss, do X, Y, Z actions for me. So there, there's all sorts of just AI agents that help you build these Power Automates now built right into it. Uh, on top of that, we're using the Power Apps as the front end for all of our modern applications. So the front end's based in Power Apps. We're doing uh, Power Automate uh, for some of our workflow load that we might need, but we're doing engineering applications. So we're designing chemical plants with these apps. So we're also using Azure services such as uh, Azure Functions and Azure API Manager yeah. to help us drive down and get all that detailed calculation work that we need integrated into the database. Nice. So it's a the amount of work going on in Power Platform, it's hard to stay on top of. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm on calls weekly with Microsoft hearing about the latest and greatest things that they're working on. And it's nice. amazing to see just the evolution and the speed that yeah. things are coming to. I remember when, when it first came out and I was like, oh, this is like, this is Zapier basically, right? <clears throat> but I knew in the back of my head that you put a logo like Microsoft on the back end of that and it... It's going to be just a couple of months before they start really start adding tons of functionality. You see that time and time again with Salesforce. Salesforce will buy a company and then they'll put a bunch of money behind it. And now they've got a bunch of AI tools that are just coming like right off the press. I honestly I haven't touched a whole lot of them just yet because they're so new. But that's what got me really excited. So I'm curious to see a lot of what you're doing, you know, behind the scenes offline. Yeah, uh, no, we'll, we'll be showing some of that off yeah. today to you guys. No, that would be awesome. The cool things that we're doing. Can any Microsoft, so if, if you're a Microsoft shop, you're a company that uses it, can you have access to it or have they released it to an, an X number of like um, beta or do you have to go add it to your account? Like someone's listening right now that doesn't know about it and doesn't have it. How do they go learn more about it and can they readily take advantage of like the apps you said we're using a number of different power apps yeah so it microsoft power platform is readily available it's not in preview or anything right. like that it's it's a general availability thing what it comes down to is it just depends on your contract i'm not going to speak to all the different types of right, microsoft right, right. contracts out there but there's a free tier of power apps and power automate on almost every enterprise and business level of um contract so you're able to leverage power apps at a minimum with sharepoint for i'm going to throw this in quotes free <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's included in the service there um but when when you look at what you can do with it that's just the tip of the iceberg there's over i want to say there's over 400 premium connectors nice. um, which yeah you have to pay more to have access to but that allows me to integrate it over to salesforce yep. or make my own integrations and yep. things like that where Maybe my business processes don't all live in Salesforce. They live in Salesforce, JD Edwards, um, and all the different po possible yeah. organizational systems that are traditionally been hard to integrate. This just makes it so that you can pass the data around and take action where it needs to be and keep people working in their area. So don't take a salesperson and make them have to go into another system. Right. Keep them in their spot so that they can be familiar with their layout and do the job that they need to do. In, on the show, we try to educate people about AI, about automation. Um, so speaking to those folks, what is Power Automate? I'm, I know the answer to that question, but for the folks that don't, like what do you, what do you use it for? Is it an iPaaS? I don't know. Give some folks some context. 
So where I've been using Power Automate a lot is for approval workflows, uh, and it handles approvals beautifully. They yeah. have a really good approvals engine behind it that's just built cool. in and out of the box available to you. Uh, but you can also just do integration work or any sort of uh, any automation almost you can think of that's in the Microsoft realm of when I get an email, and then you can start putting filters on that. Yeah. When I get an email from a bot, Ignore it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> things like that. Yeah. When I get an email from Ava, we're not going to respond to Ava anymore. Yeah. Uh, but you, you can build all different types of automation that you want to log that email into Salesforce. You could have it when I get this email from this person, log it against this account or go look up the account yeah. that it might be associated with in Salesforce and log that over there. Just again, it. Power Automate is a way to just make your job easier. So those actions that are repetitive that you have to do every day. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. You build a workflow one time and then you can apply it. Yeah. So I love the idea of um, not automating people's jobs, but giving them access to automate the things that they don't like. And yeah. that's, we work a lot with Workato in VJ's book that he just came out with. That's his mentality of, well, we're not going to build a set of automations for the people, right? We're going to put the toolbox in the people's hands and let the people build whatever they need. Yeah. But you were talking about the email deal. I'm, building out my own version of this because I've just got, I'm overloaded with, I wouldn't call it spam. It's B2B, you know, like the cold email stuff. And so you can't just, you can't just like, you can, I guess, ban the whole domain, right? Yeah. Which, I mean, maybe that's the ban hammer, right? <laughs> but some of them are like genuinely interesting, right? And I think we've responded to some of them. So I'm, I sit in the middle on that front. But one of the things I've wanted to do or one of the things I'm building now is pick up every single email out of my own box and have run it through AI, right? On a scale of one to 10, how likely is this a cold email from somebody? I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it needs to check to see all my contacts and see if I have access or, or if I know that person already. Anyway, that's something that I'm already doing because I need the folk, I need to like clear out my inbox of stuff that is, doesn't necessarily need to be spammed, but I don't necessarily need to look at it right now. Well, and it can do sentiment analysis oh, and stuff like that too, where it can be like, is this a client who's mad at me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and try and get an understanding of yeah. that type of sentiment, which gets really interesting. I mean, with the email stuff, you can easily just automate it to take their emails and go look up the company. Yeah. Look, have it go look at any of the links and give me a digestible thing of, am I even going to be interested yeah. in following up with this? Is this in line with these 10 principles yeah. that we're trying to? capture yeah and then you could even have it draft a response for you if you wanted to oh that's I would, awesome i would never have it send the response automatically no, just send it. we'll worry about it if it's wrong right they'll send another email back exactly they're agreeing to contracts for you on your <laughs> whoops oh man ava signing contracts and we haven't even don't even know what it's about exactly um i'm curious you mentioned like the you're doing these complex calculations inside of power automate is it you doing it or is it the the engineer has access, like direct access to basically automate their personal workflow. So we're building the enterprise apps right now, my team. So okay. we're building the app that then the engineer is able to leverage those calculate, leverage those apps I'm to do following. their design work. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And we're not using Power Automate to do the heavy engineering calculations. It's right. just, it's not an engineering calculator. We're writing those as Azure functions that we can then expose. Now, the really cool thing is we've built a custom connector to those Azure functions. So if we wanted to allow our users to build their own calculations on top of it, nice. they could access those calculations, pass the right parameters in, 
and get results back. So it, it, it we're putting more of that work in people's hands. Yeah. Um, if, if I'm sitting on the other side of the show and I, I run a business or I'm the manager, or like a director, but I haven't really touched AI, like talking to the guy that touches all the AI parts, like where should I start? Should I just open up a Power Automate free subscription or should I make sure my systems are set up and ready to roll? Chat GPT. Start having conversations. I yeah. mean, treat it like an intern. Just talk to it. Maybe there's something you're, you want to make for dinner. Uh, I, I think you talked about a whiskey smash on one of, oh, one yeah. of, one of these previous, yeah. previous episodes. But, yeah, it can give you a whiskey smash recipe, but maybe you want a whiskey smash that's more sour than mm. sweet. And it, see, see if you can get it to kind of work with you to be more creative. Because yeah. AI can be creative to a sense, but it's creative to the prompt. Yeah. So it's going to deliver an answer to your prompt. Or maybe you have 10 things in your fridge and you need to figure out what to make for dinner. That's a, that, that put it in your home life versus your work life first. It's so interesting that he says that <laughs> because I have been the opposite this whole time. Like I keep telling Chase, I'm like, man, I I'm like totally adopted it for all of my work things, but it hasn't trans like transitioned into my personal life. Yeah. Like I, I'm not quite there to where I'm instead of Google, I'm in chat GPT and I'm asking it things. And I don't know if it's because I've just, since I've adopted it in the workplace, yeah. I haven't, like, my brain hasn't hit that switch yet. Curious, though, is that where you started? Did you start with ChatGPT and you started with recipes? Or you're giving us kind of a simple example for the for the layman. So I started with ChatGPT. I didn't necessarily start with recipes, but it was a, we had a problem to solve. We had to figure out a way to write a C-sharp plugin for the Dataverse. Mm-hmm. Had no background in it. Had no background in C-sharp was able to talk to it, talk about, okay, what do we need for our development environment? Okay, cool. I have that. What do I need for? Yeah. Ooh. And is that in the last 12 months? Yes. This is in the last, this was February. Okay. Um, and th- that was my first like in, in little into working with chat GPT and then with AI, I had a, one of the junior engineers say, Hey, what have you, what do you know about chat GPT? And I'm like, I don't really know anything about it, but I'm going to learn. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, that's what I do. If somebody comes up with an idea, I'm going to go look at it and try and uh, figure out what, what, what path it could actually be applied for what we're doing. And now everybody in my organization is like, okay, how can we point it at our documentation? How can we help our people internally by mm-hmm. being able to find information better? There's a lot of work that can go into that. There's a lot of different paths to take. Yeah, uh, one of those, I was just about to say that. One of the biggest issues that every organization is going to have is how do you have clean data? Mm. Um, so you don't want to <laughs> solve that problem. Well, everybody yeah, will be exactly, very happy. Yeah, I'll be a billionaire if yeah. you solve that problem easily. But it's one of those situations, figuring out clean data and how to get your clean data to be what you're coaching. That's going to be, that's the biggest challenge. Then you can totally start coaching, but you don't want to point your agent right. at raw data um, necessarily. I mean, it, it might be able to help you, but you're, you definitely have to take it with more of a grain of salt at that point. Mm. So. Um, I love the going back to the thought about the intern, right? Like don't fully trust it, but ask it. One of the things that I've been doing on the recipes and Rachel, my wife, uh, probably won't listen this far into the show, but she's like, Hey, can you get the turkey ready to roll? Like for Thanksgiving or whatever, whatever the ask is. I'm like, yeah. Uh, what's the temperature for, (laughs) for turkey that it needs to be at? And I'm just trusting that it gives me the right temperature because, you know, if it's hot enough and it's not pink, then it's probably good. 
Great. Mel's, Mel's giving me the stink eye. <laughs> good luck. Yeah. And it all turned out pretty good. Um, but I love the idea of like you just chat with it and just have like, hey, here, how do I do this? And then how do I do that? And then um, get into more complicated examples. One of the things I love to do is just paste in code that I know where the bug is mm-hmm. and see if it can pick out where the problem is. And it's, at least in my experience, not as good as that because it will pick out other areas where there's potential like syntax issues, right? Or, mm-hmm. hey, you could have written this better. And it doesn't necessarily pick out that one thing that I was looking at. But it also clues me into other areas when I'm writing code of like, oh, well, yeah, maybe I should look at this other suggestion and not just this one spot. So I really love the idea of like the super smart intern that doesn't really know how to like put it all together. Well, and that's the hard part. You're giving it a chunk of code, right? And you're not oh, giving yeah. it the context the of whole the thing. full code. So it may be pointing out an error that it thinks is syntactual, but it's actually yeah. uh, okay in your book, and it's missing that. It, it's not seeing the forest through the right. trees, right? Um, so there is some of that of being able to give it all the context that it can have, and that's where I like using GitHub Copilot because yeah. it's in line with me inside the code. So I'm able to have, and now they have GitHub Copilot chat where I can talk about, hey, I'm getting this error. Right. Why am I getting this error? Like, I'm, I'm not sure why I'm getting this nullable error. Right. I get more nullable errors than I know what to do with because I just <laughs> not paying attention yeah. sometimes when I write that code the first pass through um, and go through the different reasons why that could happen. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't substantiate this variable. Right. And sorry if that got way too technical there for a second for people. No, but you're yeah. good. <laughs> In the... So in Copilot, it it's looking at your code, asking for the folks outside, right? It's it's looking at your code, but it's not just looking at that one chunk that you're writing. It's looking at the entire code base, that, it, at least that you gave it access to. Yeah, so it'll be plugged in to my actual program that I'm writing. So all the modules that it has, everything that's yeah. in that folder that I'm working on, it's looking at all of that. So what gets really cool with that type of work is, hey, I need to make 20 variables and I have them all listed somewhere else, I can basically just start writing and it'll realize after I do one or two, oh, you want these other 17. Oh, nice. and it'll just punch through yes. those other 17 for me. It just It's a time saver, right? It yeah. just allows me not to have to think about it and keep moving. So. It reminds me, in, I don't think you're in Google Sheets a whole lot, but in Google Sheets when you're like start typing and then it suggests the rest of the formula, yeah, yeah it, it's a lot like that. Excel has very similar functionality. Oh, I love it. They're all... They're all very similar functionality right. at this point. So, we were talking about um, predictions and and some episodes that we've got going on. I'm curious what you think 2024 holds. Like, where do you see all this going? Uh, my, my mind's gonna be blown. That's all I know. I, I mean, every every week there's something new that's coming out, or I'm finding another use case where I can use it for. Um, 2024, I think there's gonna be a greater adoption of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think there's going to be legislation that comes out yeah. across the globe that's going to, I don't want to say hamper it, but it's going to make you take a different look at it. Right. You're going to have to look at your AI and your usage and how you're able to point it at the right data. Um, and you have to start thinking about that now as you're starting to use it. Right. You can't necessarily, you don't want to point it at your uh, PII. You want to make sure that your AI is not necessarily looking at PII, oh, yeah. or if it is, you have to make sure you're do all these certain things. You have all the things yeah. in place for PII, like you have to for PII these days. So it's going to be a crazy year in 2024, and I'm just excited. I can't even make a prediction. I'll be honest, just yeah. because there's too much that could roll out. What seems like more like a fad that won't stick around that you've seen? Oh no, over the past 12 months. 
I don't know if I've seen anything that won't stick around. I think there's going to be a lot more adoption of um, graphic uh, development mm. inside of you, using these things, you Dally 2 and all those different things. Yeah. But again, I think you made a point on a previous episode where you can tell it to put a name on a boat, but it doesn't know where to put that name on that boat. It doesn't right. have that context. And that's where you still are going to, I think you're going to see everyone get more efficient using these tools because, yeah, a graphic designer can do a lot of their work in one shot. It's that first shot, right? That right. first shot gets you 80%. Yeah. And then you use your skill set and you refine your skill set to be that last 20%, that differentiator mm. that really closes that gap for winning clients or for performing your job and just your day-to-day -day work. Yeah. I like. I really like that. It's a big nugget. Like a lot of what you do, 80% makes up a majority of like the things that we don't really love doing maybe, right? Just general statement. It's that 20% that we really love doing. And if you can find a way for something else to tackle the 80%, generate the template, generate the outline, write the SOW, write, write the cold email for me, right? A lot of that makes up that 80% so we can focus on what we're really good at. Um, I'm curious, um, you mentioned a previous episode where I said it can't, I think I said it can't write the text, right? It can't type it because it doesn't understand language. And in, I don't know when that episode came out. I forget the exact timing. But between then and now, OpenAI came out with a model that now can write text. Like, how crazy is that? I was like, oh, I'm sure I said this will never happen. It will never be able to write text. And then all of a sudden it can, like, three months later. That's what happens when we record, like, you know, a bucket of episodes. And, you and then as you, yeah, yourself, you right? start to release them and you're like, dang it, it's already yeah. out. Yeah. Well, even though it can do that text, but is it putting it in the right, right place spot. on a boat, right? right? Like you were saying, you got, you got to put it in the spot that makes sense for where it would be on a boat. Totally. And it'll learn. I mean, there's right. how many pictures out there are boats. It'll figure out, yeah. oh, yeah, somebody wants to put a name on a boat. This is where it needs to yeah. go. Yeah. So. I think it will further elevate all of that original content. Like we've talked about that a lot. And there's going to be stuff that, like we're talking a little bit more, more like work setting. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how much adoption of these generated images or generated any, really any content. We talked about video games a lot. Um, we've talked about just written content and even to the extent that there's essentially like an AI recording, they have their own YouTube channel or whatever it is. And I think, maybe our younger generations are going to have more of a le less of, of, of an aversion to it. Yeah. Um, and I'm also, like I said, I'm curious from a, I try to think about the people in my inner personal life, like of people who use AI. And I honestly cannot tell you of anyone. And maybe it's cause I haven't asked them, like, are you using it? But I've got friends and family that I know hands down, have not opened or signed up for a ChatGPT account. And now I'm feeling kind of guilty for not like being this force of, I keep telling everyone, we need to coexist with these tools like you did. You're like, I'm, I've been using it, you know, since February, I wanted to understand it. I started learning it. Next thing you know, you're on stage with a, a VP at Microsoft talking about these things. And I, I'm seeing this gap just widen yeah. between the folks of us, the people like ourselves who have stayed curious, the people who are listening to the podcasts, the people who have signed up for accounts, and then this mass of people that 
I'm like, no, we're leaving them behind. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? And you're like, is your wife using it? Do you have friends that are using it? Do you have conversations? We, I think in most of my friend groups, we're definitely talking about it. Um, Rachel uses it through me because she just steals my iPad and will we'll type something in, but she's not using it, you know, like regularly. No, that's her using it. Well, yeah, Okay, I guess. she's using it on your device. Yeah. But yeah. what about you, Chris? So, yeah, Bink has been using it. My wife, Bink, so shout out to my wife, Bink. <laughs> uh, but um, she's been using it for just asking different questions and things like that. And I, I do encourage all my friends. I mean, I we live out just outside University of Notre Dame, so I have a lot of friends mm. who are professors. And it's a very interesting view on how does it work in academ academia, too. For sure, Because, yeah. I mean, original work, but again it's an 80% draft. Yeah. It can help you get the, over that blank sheet of paper. Yeah. My, my personal opinion. I totally gets agree. You over that blank sheet of paper. Yeah. So. I've, it's, it's caused me to think about things on the outer edges, especially when we talk about the 80% that maybe we don't enjoy doing. You spend so much brain power on that, even if it's not overly creative brain power. And so then by the time you sit down to generate that original like campaign idea, or at least for me in my world, I've only got like 20% battery life left. Yeah. And so that's all it's getting, <laughs> you know, and you know, I'll like it and we'll come up with something, but man, it's when I've utilized it and put stuff in there, you're right. It gets you past that blank page or that's a cool idea. Have you thought about these other five yeah. um, and talk conversations like this, where it's just like creating, um, you know, brainstorming around other ways we can be using it. That's that's probably the, one of the things that I've underutilized the most is when you ask it for a creative answer, instead of just saying, hey, what do you think this, what's one answer? Give me, I start saying like, hey, give me five different thoughts on this, right? Or give me 10. Ask me questions. Yeah. Oh, have yeah. have oh, it yeah. ask me, hey, give me, I want to talk to you about Azure functions. I want you to ask me 10 questions about what I want to do with an Azure function and let's go down oh, that path. It. Let's have that conversation. And I talk to it again, like it's an intern yeah. or like it's a, a colleague. And I just have that conversation. I mean, you can do the same thing. You could actually, with your kids, you can set it up to do a storybook, right? You could have it build a storybook and then have it generate the Dali two images next that, to it, that go with it that go with it. And you can ask, have your kids get asked the question and give the response, and then they're building their own story. Yeah. So like that's another way, just to again put it into the lives of people outside of work, because that's the easier place to adopt it. Work is tough. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get an understanding of how will this really impact me yeah. at work can be tough. But when you have different things, everybody has to eat, right? Make a recipe book. Um, a lot of people have kids or have no have family that have kids. Make Christmas around the corner. Yeah. Make, yeah. make a little That's custom it. book I'm for I'm inspired. Them. I'm going to hit everybody. I'm going out of town next week for Christmas and no one's going to interact with me and not hear about how passionate I am that they sign up for their um, chat GPT. Or it. actually, I don't know. I've become a recent super fan of Claude. Okay. I don't know if you've used Anthropic or anything um, of their tools. We just got access to their API. API. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Man, I have been having so much fun and I find it to be a bit more um, cordial and like personable, polite. I don't know. There's something about it. I am. I am also very polite back in my responses. <laughs> oh, I try say, to be very please kind. And thank you. Say yes. your please and thank you to the AI. Please yes. help me, please. <laughs> to your point about questions, it's funny. I've actually never, that's another key takeaway from this conversation to have it ask me questions. But I recently 
um, Claude did ask me, well, I need to understand these things. So can you please answer the following? And I mean, that might seem kind of basic, but I thought I had given it enough context Mm -hmm. and I'd pumped in a bunch of different, you know, previous examples. And it was like, well, without understanding exactly what your ICP is and that challenge or that pain point. And then it listed like an additional seven or eight bullets that I knew, but again, that agent, that intern didn't know, and I didn't provide that level of detail. So um, that's a good takeaway for me. Yeah. Chris, I think we could talk about this for probably another three plus, I don't know, three months, three days. Um, We could make a whole summit about it. Yeah. Uh, But we don't have time for that. So I think that you are, you know, obviously you're a subject matter expert on this. Chase has said this a lot before. It's a level playing field and now's the time to use it. We're all, you know, we all have our own um, interesting use cases or takes on it. For the folks who uh, want to learn more, how can they get in touch with you? How can they keep up with the things that you're doing? Yeah, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to be doing this more on LinkedIn now soon. So follow me on LinkedIn, reach out to me on LinkedIn, ask me questions. I'm more than happy to talk about anything around the automation, the power, AI, the power apps, the AI. I, I love it. I'm passionate about it. So please reach out. Cool. Well, man, thanks for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. I'm excited to hear about on LinkedIn, everything that you're doing to get you to write about it. Um, but yeah, um, guys, reach out. If you have any questions uh, here at the junction at Venn Technology, shoot us an email, fan mail, write us chat gpts i don't don't know if that's that's not really a thing you have to go build it oh i gotta build it first right (laughs) oh man until next time guys keep it automated